you have to be the best ever cheerleader to yourself more than anybody else in the world because at the end of the day everybody's got their own thing and the only person that's going to push you to your limits or to what you want to succeed is yourself and so you have to celebrate the small victories every single day look at yourself in the mirror and accept yourself and just keep pushing yourself forward because at the end of the day it's you versus you and and you have to push yourself because no one else is going to do it. not your mom not your dad not your spouse not your kids whoever they'll applause you when you finish the current or the, the the they'll applause you when you're at the at the finish line but before you get to the finish line they're not going to care most of the time even though we want them to so you're going to have to push yourself so be the best cheerleader you can be to yourself and let you know and just continue pushing forward Welcome to The In Factor, conversations with entrepreneurs who started, stumbled, and succeeded. I'm Rebecca White, and with me today is Jay Fulgencio. Jay is the founder of LearnGenics and an academic by training, and we're really looking forward to digging in and learning more about all the work he's doing with entrepreneurial mindset, so, and hearing about his, his entrepreneurial journey as well. So Jay, thank you for joining me today on The In Factor. Rebecca, thank you. It's such an honor to be a part of this. I really thank you. Well, I'm very excited to talk to someone else who is really dedicating their life to this whole thing that we call an entrepreneurial mindset. And I'm very curious. I grew up with an entrepreneurial mom, and uh, we didn't call it entrepreneurship at the time, but I learned an entrepreneurial mindset from her. So I'm very curious to hear a little bit more about your background and how you got to this point um, as an entrepreneur and an educator. So my journey with entrepreneurial mindset actually began in my childhood through my family actually my external family. So my mom and my dad, they're both, actually both of them come from a household of 12 children, right? My mom is like number 11 out of 12. And then my dad is like number seven. He's in the middle, I think he's number seven or six out of out of 12. And so my dad's side was very industrial. They're, you know, blue collar workers, farmers, and, you know, that kind of mindset and, and, and working in factories. But my mom's side, the majority of them are small business owners, a majority in, in Mexico. So when in the summer, when I was a child, uh, we would every summer we would go to to Mexico. So I would see my uncles uh, by marriage to my aunts, my mom's sisters. Um, they had their own small businesses. So one had a bicycle shop, you know, other one selling cars, auto parts and such. And one had a one uh, has a luxury tour bus company in Mexico. So. I saw their style of, of being like their mindset of how they felt, how they talked, how they maneuvered. And it's like that kind of as a child, I saw that and that kind of really started me to build like, how does, so how do you work your schedule? You don't have a nine to five. Like, how does that, like, how does like, and you know how to sell like that, that started pumping the engines for me for uh, an entrepreneurial mindset, which has led me today to, I'm deeply passionate about the topic. Uh, uh, what it is, what it's about, and how one can instill an entrepreneurial mindset, not having to necessarily launch a company, but just within their own organization as well. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. You know, I remember a few years back, a study that looked at the most entrepreneurial communities. And there are certain cultures that 
um, where entrepreneurship is really, um, you know, a fundamental part of the way of thinking about the world. And a lot of the, I know the Mexican culture, a lot of the, the South American, Latin American cultures, um, you know, heavy focus on entrepreneurship. And uh, it's great. We, we both kind of learned this as children from role models and role models make a big difference. And it's really interesting with students that I work with because some of them come from cultures where entrepreneurship is not um, the way that their parents think about their fu- the future for their children. So, so tell us about, tell me a little bit more about what LearnGenics is and how did you um, start this company? So yeah, so LearnGenics is, uh, is a go-to destination for cutting-edge learning and development solutions. So of course, you know, tailor solutions to drive growth and success. So we have uh, professional continuing education courses through our partner, MindEdge, uh, we do instructional design, wireboard animation production. Of course, we're partnered with, with Mobile Mind, which is a cutting edge uh, mobile, mobile learning and development uh, platform for K-12. And also we are a Cypher learning LMS reseller. And so basically it's really, you know, this journey of continuous learning and development, how we can help organizations customize that to make better solutions uh, for, for their uh, learning needs. And so how I came about, so my experience has been, uh, I have a very unique experience, uh, kind of that, you know, it wasn't necessarily built. It was just, I took advantage of the opportunities that lay in front of me, the entrepreneurial mindset. The entrepreneurial mindset, right? I took advantage of the opportunities that, that are in front of you. And so I got my start. So when I was a grad student at Oklahoma State University, I had the opportunity to be, um, to teach my own section uh, of American government. At that time, I was a uh, master's in poly sci- political science. And so that was my first start in higher education teaching. And ever since then, I've been teaching uh, as an adjunct in higher ed since that time. This was like 2010, 2011. So over my years of teaching and, of course, research later on, getting a PhD in master's in, in entrepreneurship and a PhD in education, through my experiences and that, through my teaching experience, uh, all that kind of stuff culminated my experiences and my passion for this, uh, for, for Longenics. How I came about the name, it was just one of those eureka moments. You're sleeping, all of a sudden you're like, I got it. And I just, you know, wake up and I write it down real quick before I forget it. And so that was just, again, that was just a culmination of experiences uh, from the opportunities that I took that lay in front of me. Yeah. So, so you went, uh, did, did you start this company right after you graduated with your doctorate or is this something that, um, you did, you've always done as sort of a side gig? I mean, uh, you know, side hustles are a big deal today and we have a lot of people doing that. Yeah. Not, not after my PhD. Now, you know, my dream was always to, to become a, a full blown, uh, tenure track professor. Right. And of course, right now is, you know, not to delve too much, but as we know what's going on in academia, like those those opportunities are not as what like 30 years ago. So, you know, it came about later on, a few years later, I tried to do something, delve into it, didn't work out really well. So I had to pivot and work something better. So going on three years now or so. And so, yeah, it's starting as, as you know, as we call a, a side hustle, because I've learned through experiences that either you have to raise a ton of money which can be difficult because people don't necessarily give money to uh, entrepreneurs unless it's like the next Uber, right? They're not going to give a ton of money 
to uh, companies, or you got to get a big loan. And some people, sometimes they fall into these big loan debts of their business or they dip into their 401k. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm not going to do that. So I'll slowly, gradually work it up. And so that's how, uh, that's how I started. I um, uh, learned Genix and continue to grow yeah. it. Yes. And you've been doing that, you said for three years now? Yeah. I was trying to grow it. Yeah. So working and you've on this. built that through partnerships. It sounds like you've got some partnerships, and and who's your primary client? So right now we, yeah, sorry. So we one of the things that with LearnJax is building building partnerships and pivoting. What I mean by building partnerships, like Cipher Learning being a, a reseller with them, uh, and with um, Mobile Mind Learning, of course, being a partner with them. So that's the things that I've been pivoting. How can I develop and bring those partnerships together. So we worked with organizations uh, in the past, like the Oklahoma Council of Education, the Minnesota uh, LADC organization. So those type of organizations, of course, um, working with them and uh, other, you know, business to consumers, just people buying courses. So that's who what's, what's been really working. So pivoting, of course, right now it's in a pivoting factor, trying to get more into the B2B side, business to business instead of just business to consumer side. So your, sell, your client is typically a corporation, a larger corporation or a small business or? No, small to medium size uh, uh-huh. uh, organizations is a typical client. So. And uh, so let's talk about that a little bit. What what do you, if I were a, a small business client and I wanted to work with LearnGenics, what, what would that look like? What kinds of assistance could you provide me? You mentioned several things. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so the first thing I do is like have a conversation. What is it that you're seeking uh, to, you know, are you seeking courses for your, your, your employees? Are you, have you designed a course or are you seeking the design of a training or a course? You know, it's just asking the questions. What is it that you're seeking uh, to get the conversation started? And then from there to see if LearnGenics is the best solution for you. One thing, of course, if LearnGenics can't provide that, uh, for you, then of course, probably refer you to somebody else that you know I may know, or or see, hey, you know what? Like this is probably not something that you know LearnJanks can do or or solve for you because I'm not also going to take on something that I don't have experience in or I cannot do just to take the business as well. I don't want that kind of uh, uh, thing. But yeah, so um, for example, the Minnesota Latino Economic Development Council. They were more interested, uh, like on the whiteboard animation, and it's like, oh, how do you, how did you do that? What did you do? And of course, did some uh, Spanish training courses that we have as well. So we have, uh, we have like a folder of Spanish training courses. These are like a typical, like accounting one on one type of like you know employee one on one type courses in Spanish. So we put on a platform from them on Moodle, and so for their clientele you know, that, that they work with to here's this training course that you could take it. So, yeah, yeah, I can imagine, uh, you know, that that's a large, that population of Spanish speaking, uh, employees is growing. And I can imagine there's, uh, that you would be a great fit for that with your background. So I'm, I'm curious about, um, I, I know you and I both, um, have used something called the entrepreneurial mindset profile. You've also used the innovator mindset assessment. So how do you incorporate these kinds of assessments into the training that you do? 
So the entrepreneurial mindset uh, profile assessment is really more towards right now it's on a one-on-one basis. So I've had uh, individuals who were interested in uh, taking the, the assessment to kind of measure, not necessarily in the sense like, hey, I want to start a business, but necessarily like, okay, I'm in career. Where am I? What, what skills do I have? Uh, in the trajectory of, you know, comparing myself between a, a corporate manager and an entrepreneur. So where do I fall? And where, what am I lacking? And what am I, what do I need to gain on? And what are my strengths? And I look at that entrepreneurial mindset profile assess and more, it's like, okay, you're the doer and how well do you work with a team? Like, uh, or what, what skills do you, could you contribute to a team? And what skills, if you're part of a team, what skills do you need so they can contribute to your team? Like if you're the leader or you're part of the, uh, of that team. Now, the undervert mindset, on the other hand, <clears throat> excuse me, more so on an individual basis, you know, like how to become more innovative, you know, where am I at? Do, am, am I willing to to cross the boundaries uh, or, you know, where do I fall within that innovation skill? So much more as an individual. Yeah. So it sounds like with those, you're, you're doing coaching mostly and uh, career coaching and helping clients, uh, individual clients rather than businesses. Yeah, well, I, I'm not necessarily well. You could say career coaching, but I don't. I don't want to uh, come. Like, I just like listen. This is what you're at, and this is how to help you assist you. Um, because I don't, you know, I think the career coaching is it could be part of their portfolio, and that's what I say. Like, listen, use this as part of your portfolio. I don't know where you want to go five years from now, but this is this is what this is where you're at right now, and think about where you want to go. I always say. You know, we work in like it's very hard for someone to not work in a team in today's society. I mean, you can't. I mean, a job where you're not working with the team is very minuscule. I mean, I can't think of well, maybe a truck driver, but even then, they have to work with a team. Um, so how do you? How can you work with a team better moving on in the future? Uh, like if you know, if you're gonna hire somebody, that's why I like working with managers on this one because it's like, okay, your weakness is this. Maybe you should hire someone who has that strength. That way it's a better team. Don't hire too many people or have somebody on your team that has too many of one quality because you may be lacking something else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Helping them see where the gaps are and, and yeah. looking to fill that in. We, you know, we do have a tendency to want to surround ourselves with people like us, and that's yeah. not always the most beneficial thing no. to do. No. So I'm really curious, you know, I've, I've, I've worked with corporations and, and medium-sized businesses, uh, but, but I've also found over the years that it's, it's challenging for a lot of companies to commit themselves to programming like this, training and education for their employees, because they're especially small businesses, because they're, um, you know, trying every day <laughs> just to get, you know, get yeah. the work done basically. So what have you, you know, have you seen an upward trend in, in interest in training and education? Do you feel like employees are demanding or asking for this more? Um, you know, what, what are you seeing with respect to especially small and, and even medium sized companies and their ability to actually provide training for their employees? That's a great question. I think at small businesses, you're at the helm of, of of being the first to go cut. I mean, a small business, right? They're probably generating 
250, 500, 750,000 annual revenue, which one to may seem a lot, but then you think about all the costs that go into it, especially what state they're operating in. And so training may not be the, the first thing on their mind to have. And if so, they're like, well, I could just get it for free on YouTube or, you know, or do damn or something of that, of some other training source. So I won't see necessarily huge benefit. Or if there is like a grant awarded with it, you know, once that grant money's gone, it's like, okay. And so, Yes, there is a downside there are like small to medium sized companies, you know, don't want to, you know, invest in this in this particular uh, asset. But, you know, I always say like outweigh what, what what would you prefer? Would you rather prefer hire somebody on the outside, spend 50, 60, 70 grand? And, you know, you talk about pay, you talk about training, the amount of money you're going to 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 invest in this individual who will probably later on quit or resign would you rather spend a couple thousand just to train your entire organization and take a few hours out of your out of the week so that they can be better employees for the future and grow uh with it themselves it's like so would you rather spend this or would you rather spend that uh and so that at times is a challenge and an and outweighing the competing factors you know what's more important to me right now than than tomorrow so it's like a lot of business owners don't see the tremendous value, tremendous value of these training courses that can dip, that, that can definitely benefit uh, the organization. I've talked with other individuals in a similar field, and they run into that situation as well. It's like, you know, I'm trying to do this or build this for myself or for the company that I have, and it's like they run into those challenges of people just not biting into it uh, because they just don't see the the, you know to see the benefit or that's like the first thing when the business goes sour a little bit the first thing that gets cut is training because they won't see the ultimate benefit when in reality you know it's the benefit a lot of times you know people resign or quit because they feel like they're not being trained properly they're not being equipped properly um other than maybe some organization like for example like sexual harassment training that's you know required in many industries and so apart from that, unless it's like required or mandated by law or some regulation, you know, you got to really, you know, sell the value that, yes, OK, yeah, you're investing five thousand dollars or 10 or 15, whatever the cost may be. But think about the outcomes that, you know, now you have a fully trained staff or employees who can actually do X, Y, Z and not feel frustrated and then quit. And now you got to go back into now you got to go find somebody else. Now you got to do the whole process again, which can take weeks, if not months. And you got to train that person, spend another 50, 60, 70 grand. So it's like, what do you want to invest in? Yeah. Yeah. So what what I hear you saying is that it's a great ret- retention tool, keeping yes. people yeah. and then cross-training, it sounds like getting people uh, cross-trained so that you know, they can move, they can advance in the company or move from position to position, uh, which makes work more interesting, right? For most people. Yeah. And I, and I, like, we don't, especially in in industries, like right now we live in a ever changing global society where things are changing consistently. Like now we have AI tools like chat GPT. Okay. How do I use chat GPT in, in the workforce properly? And so things are continuously changing and with that, you need to evolve and you need to retrain employees. Like there was an article by the Harvard Business Review a few months ago about the constant reskilling and how AI plays a role in that. Um, and so that's you just constantly have to reskill folks all the time. And no matter what, it's just part of whether you're a small business, large, medium sized, even corporate America, 
you're just going to have to uh, uh, just reskill employees all the time. It's just we live in a society where we have to. Yeah, I think I think for the the business owners listening to this, probably many of them are thinking about that because, you know, there are going to be a lot of jobs uh, replaced mm-hmm. by technology, but the but the new jobs that are created by technology are probably going to be even greater, right? Yes. But we have to understand how to use it, and and that kind of leads me to the uh, another question about technology because. Um, you know, I had a speaker in my class the other day, and he said, all of your businesses are technology businesses. Now, what else do you do? And basically, he had built his company, which is, a you know, they sell products. He had built a technology platform, which enabled him to, to scale his business through franchising. And what he basically offered to competitors that he was acquiring was, um, or in his, in his, um, franchisees was technology. So how, I guess my question is, um, you know, do you, uh, is a lot of the training that you're uh, getting that, that people are asking for in the technology space and, and um, you know, how do you use technology to do what you do? So the, in regards to using technology, so the ones that, of course, I was asked before was the kind of the Spanish training courses, um, not necessarily too much about that style is, you know, because with Mo, with not MoMind, sorry, with uh, MindEdge, the course we, we saw with, with MindEdge is more necessarily like management, leadership, project management. Uh, there is an AI uh, for managers uh, course. So it's mostly kind of those those type of, of skills, not necessarily how to learn machines. Um, but I haven't been solely requested on that. But I know that's a, that's a continuous uh, topic of conversation that some folks in, in different uh, from different organizations are actually building out and, and seeing a, a growth for that. The only one that I can think of off the top of my head is like how do you, properly use AI tools uh, for the workplace. And right now it's such a new environment that it's like, okay, how do we do it now? Of course I see on LinkedIn, like somebody puts up like a cheat sheet of cheat sheet, you know, how to properly use AI or how to ask the the right things that right now is the training that I get, right? Like that's, that's the training. I know I'm enrolled in some AI course too, as well to, to make sure that I'm up to par and up to skill. Even myself, I always say, if I'm willing to do the continuous learning myself, like, you know, why not you? So Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we're all learning a lot about AI. And uh, we're, you know, a lot of people are are nervous about it, but the, there's a lot of tremendous opportunity, I think, in, right. with AI as well. Um, do you use technology for your teaching? Uh, is it an online platform or do you do most of yours in person? So I mostly teach online. There is sometimes face-to-face, but um, so right now it's just mostly uh, online. Of course, outside from the learning management platform, learning management system, uh, platforms. Uh, I did use uh, Satori, which is a really cool uh, technology platform where it's basically like a, it's like a mix of PowerPoint uh, with Prezi in a sense. And But you can also have like discussion board in there. You can add videos and all these other great things. So I did use that platform for a while. But I always always say like I am a YouTube enthusiast using that, but finding the right videos for the right content 
Um, so that's some of the the, the platforms that uh, that I've used. There's a lot more tools that I'm familiar with that I use as well. Um, you know, Apple tools for the classroom, but it's just using the right tool for the right uh, consumer base, not consumer base, for the right learner is the key. You can't, you know, when you're using technology in the classroom, you have to, you have to make sure that whoever your, your students are or your learners, like it's the proper tool to use um, for that learning environment. Yeah. You know, I, um, I, have you ever used podcasts as part of your learning uh, um tools i've given the links but i've never like i've hey here's a podcast link like but i've never like recorded for particularly for a class yeah it's uh, the reason i ask is is um as you know i use podcasts uh, right. as for learning and uh it's it's really interesting because it, even in consulting i'm finding that that uh, consultants um, that employees enjoy podcasts, and um, if you look at the research, a lot of people are learning through podcasts as well on YouTube and 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 audio as well. Well, I do what they call vlogs, uh, or but you know, I I don't know why, but I prefer the video portion like this, like the uh, just the because sometimes I'm a little animated at times, and so I know I have a YouTube channel. Um, you know, Dr. J Real Talk, and I've done stuff like I've recorded. I use open educational resources uh, to create content, and so it's up there. Um, which I put up an entrepreneurship course from from an OER entrepreneurship course, and so it got a lot of hits too. But I'm guessing people want to learn about that. So, uh, so that's the platform that I use when it comes to teaching. I was like, go watch that and subscribe, not just for the students, but for everybody else around the world. So, you know, that, that kind of brings up an interesting question. Um, do you find that employers are nervous about their employees if you're doing entrepreneurial mindset training with them? Are they nervous that they'll leave or, or have, um, have employers started to embrace the value of an entrepreneurial mindset um, for employees? No, because people have to understand. And I think a lot of people get it wrong. Like launching your own business is the greatest thing on earth. It is probably not is one of the most daunting, scariest things. And a lot of people don't have the tenacity. They have the skills, right? They probably do have the skills, but they, they don't have the stomach to endure the pain and the grueling. Like I remember, for example, um, like, well, to answer your question, no, because not everyone's just going to leave and all of a sudden they're going to start their own business venture because they don't have the capital they, or they don't have the stomach to endure the pain. Um, it's like it's like you're carrying a baby and it's your business and, and a lot of people are going to call it ugly before it becomes beautiful, right? And it's like, can you endure that pain of them calling your baby ugly, which is your business, right? And a lot of people can't stomach that. They're too busy doing other things and people are more complacent of nine to five. Like I get my paycheck at two weeks, one week, whatever you get paid, they're more complacent than taking the risk of like, I don't know if I'm going to get paid, but I got to pay these other people first. So not necessarily it's like, I, and anybody who's, whoever's listening to this, if you're thinking about doing that, I think it's a great way because you're not people are like, if you have 20 employees, for example, not all 20 of them are all of a sudden going to say, you know what? I scored really high and I'm going to go launch my own business. Yeah, they'll probably be back pretty sooner rather than later because it's just a whole different type of thing to launch your own business. 
And like I was to, to folks, like, don't be afraid to use this. You can also use it as a facilitation tool for your group to see, again, where are our dynamics and how can we grow uh, as a as a company or organization? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting. I've been teaching entrepreneurship for many, many years. And uh, a number of years ago, I taught in Cincinnati and had a lot of employees from bigger corporate environments like Procter & Gamble, for example, which is headquartered there. Yeah. And um, organizations like Procter & Gamble back in many years ago, back in the day, I'll date myself, uh, would not pay for the graduate courses in entrepreneurship. Yeah, um, They've come full circle, uh, I think, and they, and they, as well as most corporations, recognize the value of an entrepreneurial mindset, which, as yeah. we talked about, is, you know, the, the ability to recognize opportunities, taking action and, and uh, persevering past failure. And, and uh, it's very valuable inside organizations, I think, as well as out. Uh, but I was just curious to see if you were finding that that, that mindset uh, had changed as well. No, yeah, and I think I think you. I just want to say one last thing. I think that's great that I know corporate America is is in, is is taking that, and we call them intrapreneurs, right? The entrepreneurs within an organization. You definitely need them because it's a very competitive environment, even for corporate America. It's cutthroat. Like for example, like the breakfast market, you got like Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, McDonald's. Uh, Wendy's, everybody competing against each other for the breakfast market now. So it's like how to become innovative and like making sure that we have our own market share. Um, you know, how does our research and development uh, department like become more innovative and making sure that the next product is we dominate that. So you do need that kind of mindset. Yeah. And even wanting employees to take uh, ownership of what they do, you know, uh, because that's what an entrepreneurial mindset does. It takes ownership, I think. Yeah. And I, Bloomberg actually did an awesome job. This was years ago. They did two videos, one on Dunkin Donuts and one on Marriott of how they're innovative in the sense like they have their own research development and they've developing things. Like, for example, the video said that Dunkin Donuts, the R&D, like we're doing Right now, two years from now, this what we're doing right now is going to be on the market in two years from now. Marriott, they're working on right now as we speak on something that's going to be on the market in a couple of years for the new hotel. So it's like you got to have that those people with innovative mindset, entrepreneurial mindset within the organization to think about, OK, people are going to get bored of this. What's next? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's go back to that small business owner that might be listening, yeah. and maybe they're maybe they're starting to buy in a little bit to this idea of they need some education and training for their for their staff. How should how would you recommend a, a busy small business owner get started thinking about things like education and empowering their employees? Um, through uh, some training and, and support? What, what would be the first step? So I think the first step would have a casual conversation, say, hey, what's your what's your goal? What do you what do you intend to do? Who's your employees? What's your market? You know, get all that kind of one-on-one basis to see uh, what they intend to do. Now, if it's a small business owner, for example, who has got like 20 employees and really no budget, and it says, I want to create courses, and I go, what? Let's rethink at that. Like, let's have a course because it's probably out there already. And I may have those in my bank that I could that we could work on, because if you're a small business owner, you know, developing courses is going to cost you a lot of money and time consumption. So it really depends on the goal, what you want to do. And you have to see the value that 
for your organization? Do you want to retain your 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 current employees for the next couple of years, or do you want to consistently change them out every single few months? You know, because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of small business owners who complain about the high turnover rate. And so apart from probably leadership and all that, like how can we train these employees to stay with you and learn uh, to grow, right? And I think that every employer has its duty, as much as the employee has a duty to give its best, the employer should have a duty to how can I, how can I train you and how can I get the best out of you for the two, three, four years that I have with you to make this company successful as well as yourself, uh, because the employee has to also see value in it. And if the, the employer, like the small business owners, see value in training to give to this employee who, if I learn this, I'm going to grow as an individual, not only for myself, but for the company. Therefore, three, four years, maybe the small business can't retain me anymore. I have grown so much that now I can go on and do bigger things and then train the next person to come on up, give the most I can. And then move forward because that's how I would that's how I would see it and tell the small business owner it's a win-win situation for both of you because one wants to learn and you can give it to them you know look for courses that we have through LearnGenics uh, you know to 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 make sure that both parties are are succeeding. So would you recommend uh, assessments as a starting point also or talking to employees or is it is it better for, you know, more of a conversation with with a learning provider like yourself or some other learning provider first? I think it would start a conversation and see the assessment needs, like what is it that the organization is seeking uh, in, ter- in terms of learning Right. If you wanted to learn how to operate a big machine, that forever is like, okay, maybe, you know, you have to talk with elsewhere. But if you're like looking for leadership management and other types of, of skills in that in that field or project management, of course, let's see the assessment. Let's see what employees want. Who are your employees? Like, what's the education level as well? Um, you know, things in that nature as well. How much time do they have for this as well? That's another thing. Like, do I have. How much time can the employees dedicate to continuing education during the week? Uh, is there time for them? And what's their access? Do they have access to a computer? Do they have access to a phone? I'm pretty sure most every society has, uh, almost everybody has access to some type of mobile phone, smartphone, uh, which is the great thing about the courses we offer. They're mobile access, mobile friendly, which is thinking about the consumer as well, because most people are more than likely will have a smartphone than a laptop. Not that they won't have a laptop, but it's just the access to it. Um, and so, you know, doing that, of course, you know, the, the, the time commitment as well to think about that, uh, as well. Have you found that most, uh, companies, uh, provide on the clock time for this kind of training or do they expect it, you know, on, on your own time or how does that work? You, you know, it just depends on the company and organization. Uh, some, you know, I, you know, to me, a person who's going to take this serious would provide some type of, of allowance during the work week uh, to do this training. I'm not, I can't remember what it was an article, but like, you know, they're saying like the 40 hour work week. Do people really spend 40 hours working the whole time? Right. Let's say let's set aside the time for the chit chat and, and all the gossipy things that go on and the bathroom breaks and all that. But, you know, um, there's time in like where you can set aside two hours a week or so or an hour a week even. OK, take this course for an hour a week. And, and you know, th- th- there is time. It's just 
again, how you make time for it. Now that won't apply in every industry, for example, right? Like construction workers, that's a whole different dynamic where, you know, sometimes they do have training, but they have to go off site and do other things. And it's not like you're not going to see a construction worker in the middle of constructing, taking an online course on their phone. Like it's going to be sure. dangerous to everyone around them. But again, it just depends on the industry, especially in the white collar uh, industry. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, as, as you think about, um, as you think about these, these programs and, and this training, um, have you found that most of the people involved in the training are, um, are able to complete it? Or do you find that they often, you know, people start training and they don't finish training? I mean, is there a challenge with that? Well, the, the great thing about my, the courses we offer, uh, LearnGenics is that they're timed, meaning you have a certain amount of days to complete or else you lose access to it. So you pay for it. So, you know, depending on the course, and usually the courses are 90 day access or 180 days, depending on it. Or, you know, if it's a, if it's a certification, it's more, it's like close to a year uh, because of the amount of courses in there. And so when you, when you pay for something and it's time locked, and when I mean time locked, like you have a certain amount of days to complete it, you're more than likely going to rush to complete because you paid for it or someone paid for it. Someone's rushing you to get it done. Well, like a lot of these courses, which I'm not going to name them, but it's like, eh, I, you know, it's free. There's no push for it. Oh, I got a reminder, eh, whatever it was free. So what do I care? And so there's really no rush or urgency to, to complete it, especially if no one is rushing you. If your job doesn't require you to do it, um, then why rush to do it? So when you have, if, if it's not mandated by law or, or policy or for your continuing education credits, or if it's not because you paid for it, then there's no going to be no rush for it. But when you have those two things, for example, yeah, there's going to be a rush to complete within that time frame. Yeah, so it sounds like it's valuable to to uh, to bake in some incentives and some yeah. some time, just like we do with in our classrooms in, in the yeah. university, right? Yeah, right. We time things and we bake in incentives and reasons yeah. for people to do it and to complete it. So yeah. you know, one of the things we talked about entrepreneurial mindset and entrepreneurial mindset training. One of the one of the aspects of entrepreneurship that you brought up was, you know, that it takes a lot of mental toughness and of course it's hard work, uh, but that mental toughness, um, you know, and the, the ability to remain resilient and to, you know, work beyond failure is really what sets, uh, um, successful entrepreneurs apart from those who don't succeed. Do you have any thoughts about how we can help people build resilience and, and how, how, you know, how we can, um, can provide education around this idea of, of failure and how to cope with and, and use failure to our benefits? Yeah, there's a number of ways. First, uh, I would suggest check out my YouTube channel. Dr. J Real Talk, where I give some videos on that, on that. But it's, you know, it's one of those things that resilience is very difficult to, to train or teach someone because it has to come within them. Like life circumstances will give you those challenges and whether or not you succeed is up to you. And I, I, I take it to the extreme because I always, to me, the way that I've been built and wired to myself is like, other than my family and, and instilling these values, like 
if I don't get this done, like there's a bullet, there's a there's a gun in my head, and it's it's gonna the trigger's gonna pull if I don't get this. Like that's extreme to me, but I think and that's like this is the way that I need to have to build resilience um, and to move forward because I always look at myself like there's abundance of opportunities that I have, and I'm not going to let it go to waste because I also listen to elders. And they always say, I regret this. I regret that. So for someone who is in that, like, I don't know, I'm trying to build it. Like, go listen to elders who are like 40, 50 years, years older than you. And they'll tell you what they regret the most. And so listen to them. And you don't want to sit in that phase like 40, 50 years from now, regretting that you didn't take the advantage of it. Of course, circumstances are, and just circumstances will always come up. Like there is going to be challenges at every step of the way. And there's just no way around it. That's why so few people are so successful because they've been able to push beyond those boundaries. And you just have to push yourself. Like you just have to find that internal locus of control, which is part of the entrepreneurial mindset, and, and, and just push yourself to succeed and just do little small steps one at a time. I think people think that you have to take huge steps and huge mindset goals like Take little steps at a time, build little habits one step at a time. Like it's just the small steps that add up that will eventually accomplish you to your goal. And so that's why I said, like, if you don't know how to start, just start, just do small steps, right? Just do little things at, at one time and then take it, take it from there. But uh, yeah, you just, you just have to build it within yourself. You can listen to people, but at the end of the day, like it just has to come from, from you and, and and just see and I would not just necessarily the entrepreneurial mindset profile assessment, but there's other assessments as well that which you know that we can name off. Just take some type of assessment to see where you're at. Like what are your strengths and we like take an assessment first of all to see where you're at. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? And what do you want to work on? And then from there, you know, take the next step. Yeah, I think most people love assessments too, don't yeah. they? <laughs> yeah. I just recently retook a, uh, I've taken the DISC and a number of different assessments yeah. myself. And I recently took the big five personality, which was kind of interesting. But yeah. I love that you mentioned storytelling because I'm a big fan, obviously. I mean, that's what podcast my podcast is all about too, is the stories that everybody has. And you're right, you know, somebody else's story uh, can't, uh, do it for you, but, but it, it does remind us that we're not alone out there, that, mm -hmm. that the pathway to success is going to have failure. And uh, interestingly, I've found that most people who have been successful and reached their goals, uh, love to tell their failure stories. They love to talk about it, uh, mm -hmm. because that's where they learn the most. Yes. Yeah. So to learn, you've got to live and to live, you're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. And uh, that, that entrepreneurial mindset, my, I was very blessed because my mom told me from a young age that if I, what, if I didn't make any mistakes, I wasn't doing anything. Yeah. So she gave me permission right away. And, you know, I know not everybody has been given permission either by themselves or the other people around them to fail, but right. we have to give ourselves permission to, to, to mess up every now and then, right? Yeah. Otherwise, we're never going to take any risks. So, mm -hmm. and a lot of entrepreneurship is about taking a risk. So, yeah. so um, I love what you're doing, uh, Jay. I think this is, uh, you know, this is Learn Genics. Sounds like a great company that's that's really 
uh, just getting started. And I think in today's uh, environment, um, you know, with remote workforce growing and people feeling kind of on their own out there, especially with remote work, that uh, training is going to become even more important, I think, for a lot of companies. Are you seeing that reflected uh, with companies that you talk to have remote workforces? You know, I, nece- I haven't really necessarily um, been working with too many companies or co- companies that have that kind of remote for remote workforce, but I know I keep seeing in the news about remote being phased out. People want to come in. Uh, they want you to come into the office more. So that right now is something to wait and see what's going to happen three years from now, because of course we had the pandemic and that we thought that remote work was here to stay forever. And all of a sudden the last year or so, you start seeing a lot of companies making their employees come back into the office one day a week, three days a week, and now some of them five days a week to keep their job. Um, and so it's it, the, the challenge will be is like, how do you get the best out of, uh, I think the challenges for more remote work will be two things. One, can they actually, you know, get their job done to the best of their ability compared to someone who's in the office all the time, which will be interesting. And will, how will a remote worker be given leadership opportunities when they're not there? So that will be the two challenges to see. Um, you know, that, that, and that's of course, uh, different, uh, you know, something different, uh, dynamics that's more just internally for a leadership perspective. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see. And I think hybrid is, is where we are right now, but it'll be interesting. You know, it remote has its advantages because you can have people live anywhere. And so you can get some of the best and the brightest. On the other hand, it's, it's um, as you pointed out, you know, they're finding that remote workers often get overlooked when yeah. it comes to advancing in the company. So, yeah. well, this has been a great conversation, Jay. I've really enjoyed it. I know that um, that you have a, a, a lot of exciting things that you're working on. And, I, and um, you know, before we close, I'd like to give you a chance to share all of that. But before we do that, um, I'd like to ask you the question that I ask all of my guests. And that is, um, if you had one piece of advice you could leave with our listeners, knowing it's aspiring and practicing entrepreneurs, what would that be? Ooh, great question. I would say the piece of advice I would give you is you have to be your own, you have to be the best ever cheerleader to yourself more than anybody else in the world. Because at the end of the day, everybody's got their own thing. And the only person that's going to push you to your limits or to what you want to succeed is yourself. And so you have to celebrate the small victories every single day. Look at yourself in the mirror and accept yourself and just keep pushing yourself forward because at the end of the day, it's you versus you and and you have to push yourself because no one else is going to do it. Not your mom, not your dad, not your spouse, not your kids, whoever. They'll, they'll applause you when you finish the current, the, 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 they'll applause you when you're at the, at the finish line. But before you get to the finish line, they're not going to care most of the time, even though we want them to. So you're going to have to push yourself. So be the best cheerleader you can be to yourself and let, you know, and just continue pushing forward. 
That's great advice. Uh, we have to dig deep, right? And uh, yeah. and support ourselves and, and uh, to, to get where we want to go. Yeah. Well, Jay, how can our listeners find out more about the products and things that you do with LearnGenics and how can they connect with you? Yeah, so thank you, uh, Rebecca, for that. So so they can go to www.learngenics.com uh, and click on you know courses and continuing education. You can uh, go there, check out the course. You can use uh, code LEARN10 to get a discount on that. You can definitely go there. You can also check out my YouTube channel, Dr. J Real Talk for that. So those are the two main uh, things I would say to, to check this out. And of course, if you're a business owner or small, medium, or large, uh, definitely interested in talking to you about uh, training courses for your company or you want to take the Entrepreneur Mindset Profile Assessment as well for your for your employees. Uh, anything else that LearnGenics can provide, uh, whether a new LMS system, definitely check out LearnGenics.com and we can get the conversation going. Thank you, Jay. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about entrepreneurship, we would love it if you hit that subscribe button. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of InFactor.